Washed Up Emo sponsors New Belgium Brewing are celebrating their 30th anniversary as a company. To celebrate, they're releasing Wild Ride Amber IPA, a happy tribute to their iconic fat tire. Even better, New Belgium Brewing are giving away bikes and gear all year. Find out more information by visiting newbelgium.com. Do you ever wonder if your favorite band is emo? Tired of being in the same conversation with friends? Not knowing if you're listening to post-hardcore, screamo, emo revival, emo emo violence, even ska. We're We're here here to to help. help. The Emo Council is here staffed and ready for any question you may have. Hey, Emo Council, just wondering if Green Day was considered an emo band. Thanks. Green Day is not an emo band. Okay. From the creators of Washed Up Emo, isthisbandemo.com offers the definitive answer to the only important question of your day. Hey, is this been emo? Forgive me for running off to find the one thing Hello and welcome to episode 156 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. And today we welcome Jade Lalitri from the band Oso Oso. Jade and I connected early on during the first album, Real Stories of True People Who Looked Kind of Like Monsters. I was a huge fan and supporter. Next, it's great to see the mainstream press take a liking to him after the amazing follow up, the Unihan mixtape. Now, the album coming out August 16th entitled Basking in the Glow should propel him to another level. It is that good. On the podcast, Jade and I discuss his early musical life, Getting Heckled, the new album, and there's a good portion about the National Basketball Association, which we're both huge fans of. Reminder, Basking in the Glow is out August 16th on Triple Crown Records, and if this is in the future, it is on whatever streaming or brain implant for music listening that they have out at the moment. Thank you to all the Patreon supporters out there. Literally, you make this podcast and my life so much easier with your support. If you want to help out, head on over to patreon.com slash washedupemo. This is episode 156 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Jade Lalitri from Oso Oso. like much music uh he always just listened to this one the cure like one cure album you listen to the greatest hits like while he did yard work or something like that and my mom was really when i like when i was a kid she was into whatever was like current so she would always be playing like red hot chili peppers third eye blind was like a big one for her like that self-titled record uh like when enema of the state came out she would hear like a single and then they had like um You'd have like the little, the like this thing would come in the mail, you know what I mean? And you'd pick CD. Columbia House. Like right, yeah. And you just pick the CDs. So your mom would do so that? She would like, yeah, she'd be like, oh, I like this single, and then get the album. And like, so 
those are three ones that I always remember was uh, like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Third Eye Blind, and she had Enema of the State. And then one time she was like, oh, if like you guys want to get your first CD, you know, pick it from this thing. And I think my first one ever when I was like five or six was In Sync. I don't remember what the song was called, but it was like track two or track three. You were super into it. Yeah, it was like in a. It was in the movie A Bug's Life, <laughs> and I was just like, "This song is fucking sick." And um, and I had a, a friend, my neighbor, uh, Samantha. Me and her were like, "All right, we're gonna get one of us is gonna get this CD, and we're gonna choreograph this dance." And I just remember having that CD and playing that one song over and over, and we were trying to make a dance to it. Wow. Uh, that's a good memory. So, yeah, it's pretty nice. Pretty nice memory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To be able to like, you know, again, your mom being open to stuff and open to you having music too. Right. Yeah. The super cool thing was I always remember, uh, like, she so for some reason she always like her big thing was like, you can't curse or anything like that, but you can get like you can buy whatever CD like if it has curses in it, that's fine. So like we'd always be like, oh shit, we have the parental like we have Limp Biscuit. Yeah, you, yeah, you got the explicit one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My parents wouldn't let me have the explicit one for a long time. I used to have to go to like Kmart and get the edited version of right. whatever the tape was, and I'd be so bummed. I remember uh, when "Take Off Your Pants and Jacket" came out, the like the next Blink record after that. I remember going to the store and. I was like, I like it was like one of those things where it's like, don't worry, like I'll get the one with the curses. We're good, you know. <laughs> and I like I accidentally bought the edited one. Oh. And there's like that song on that where it's like, it's like I can't remember the name, but it's like track four. And it's like two minutes long, and on the edited version, it's literally just instrumental. And I just thought the song was like that, like my whole <laughs> life. And then I heard it one time, and I was like, "That probably blew your mind." I was like, "What the? This is a whole song." Like, yeah, you know what I mean. He's like talking about like having sex with grandpa or something like that. Yeah, they got to take all that out for yeah, that. Exactly. Oh, that's the amazing! Whole song was just instrumental, and then at the end, there's like one line. <laughs> crazy. If you had the internet, you would have found out a lot, a lot quicker. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So did you, so those are some of those early records, like what about finding, you know, punk rock or finding the stuff below, you know, the mainstream? I would say, so the way that that happened for me as like, as ridiculous as it is was, so I I got really into, um, I got into like my chem and the used when that was kind of like starting to pop off and I was like probably 11 or 12 then. Like 0405? Yeah, exactly. I I'd been playing like guitar. Uh, so you got in a guitar already? I yeah, I got a guitar in like in fifth grade. I was probably like ten or something like that. I remember, uh, like I said, like my mom would always play the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and there was this like uh, this TV show, The Wild Thornberries, and like basically. They just, like, ran this commercial, and Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers was, like, the wild boy on this show and, like, did the voice and stuff like that. And there was, like, a video of him playing bass in the studio, and it was just, like, him just, like, playing some, like, some bass riff or whatever. Yeah. I just thought it was the sickest thing, and I was like, yo. I was like, (laughs) can I have a, a bass guitar? And they were like... And my mom was like, surprisingly, like it was one of the few things ever that like she was super stoked on that you asked like when your kick yeah cadet. She was like, yeah, sure. And her friend was like a guitarist, so like she asked him like, 
what like what kind of bass should I get or something like that. And he was like, oh, don't get him a bass because like if he learns guitar, you could just move on to bass or something like that. So he kind of <laughs> saved me like without knowing it now because I might have just been stuck on bass forever. Yeah, you would have been the side like, side yeah, gig exactly. side player. <laughs> exactly. Um, but so that's how I got a guitar, and then it was kind of like it was just like my childhood was like two things I listened to religiously was Blink One Eighty Two and Ja Rule, and like that was like just music for me um and then so seventh grade i started really into like my chemical romance and the used how'd you find out about them uh, just for tv it was like all over like fuse I mean? like fuse exactly yeah was, i was like, pitching tv show i was f- pitching fuse like if you saw circus survive right. or if you saw fall of troy or any of those that was i was like that ban- was like, like it dude i remember do you remember uh, the commercials do you remember like uh, band commercials like promoting records like Armor for Sleep and stuff like that? I remember like the Victory Records ones the most. Like, yeah, yeah. Was just, like, they were on every week. Yeah, it, it was like that. Um, I remember seeing the Act Appalled video on Fuse and being like, this band is fucking crazy. Like, this is sick. Um, that was a huge thing for getting me into bands. That's so funny. Um, I mean, that age, your age group in that show and what that time period for victory evr those labels like it was like we had this national thing and the kids that weren't in a big city could find out even long island you're separate like you're close but like it's still it's hard and so you heard about these men you would have never found out about them it was like and it's like it's crazy because like victory records that i would say that was probably the victory Records samples like because i remember i got um i think it was the hawthorne heights album and that they one, had a sampler in it, right? Right, exactly. And I was super into the Hawthorne Nights album. I was like, wow, this is great, like front to back. And uh, and the sampler though is what got me like into all these other bands. And they had uh, they had Bayside on it, and Bayside was from Long Island, and they were playing um, at Club Ritual. And it was like my first like show show. It was Bayside, uh, the Sleeping, and then direct support for Bayside was Paramore, and it was like. That that whole show is just like life changing for your, me. I was your brain like, was probably like running like I was crazy. Like, yeah, I was like, so this because like those bands I like in the grand scheme of things like they probably were way smaller. You know what I mean? Like, but it no, didn't, but it to didn't you, seem exactly no way on like TV. You exactly. Know what I mean? And then larger than to, life. Uh, yeah, and going to the Bayside show was just like in this like kind of like just like I mean that place Club Ritual probably like. I want to say maybe like 200 cap, something like that. So cool. And it was just like a sold out show and it was just insane. I was like, this is sick. Like there's a whole other way of doing this. Cause all, all I would see in terms of like shows then was like on fuse, they'd run like taste of chaos and stuff like that. And those, you think it was like festival shows. Exactly. Yeah. So like that base actually like changed my life. I was like, Whoa, I want to do this. And like, and then in height and then, yeah. And then, did you feel your playing change? Did you start like was, trying to figure out their songs or like did your so writing like, change? Trying to figure out their songs. I was still that was still super like formative, even just getting uh kind of people to play with. Cause I remember like once once that show happened, like my whole mindset like was just like, Whoa, this is this is like this is what I wanna do. And I remember uh the drummer in Paramore, Zach Farrow, was like, said something about being like 15 or something, like 15 or 16. And I was like, wait, 
you're how we are 15 years old like what the hell and i was like 12 at that time so in my head i was like all right three years if i want to do this i have to be there and i was, I was like i gotta hurry up <laughs> dude as a 12 year old you're, exactly. you're getting yourself exactly. like amped it's like i gotta get i gotta get there in three years so i was like trying to get my friends to play and stuff like that and we had a band it probably turned into like three or four different bands but it was like the same group of kids but i would always be like you guys like it like after school but like, you guys want to go practice at like you know what I mean? At Brandon's house. And then everyone was kind of just like, oh, no, dude. Like, what do you mean? We want to go hang out here and, like, watch, like, movies at this Play video house. games. And I was just getting so frustrated. And, um, yeah, and that went on for, like, for... So I was, like, in a bunch of bands up until, like, ninth grade. And uh, we played... So the town that I'm from is is Long Beach. And Long Beach was, like... I would say the kids then, like, emo was not... It was like that it, emo wasn't cool. You know what I mean? It was like, It's, it's not like, cool, but... Yeah, I, I didn't think it ever did get cool, did it? But, like, <laughs> it was... Uh, I There was, like, a video of, like... There's, like, some meme video with, like, emo and stuff like that. Like, Dear Diary, like... Today I feel apathetic. And it was just, like, this... It was, like, a song. It was, like, I'm an emo kid. as non-conforming as can be. Like, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't cool, and we played we played this show with a bunch of punk bands, a bunch of like kind of like kids that were really into like uh, like Pennywise, Circle Jerks, uh, stuff like that, and we just got like absolutely just like heckled, just like no way, yeah, like actually like turned me and my friends off from playing music for like a year or two. And, no uh, shit. Yeah, and then so like so then the band thing was over. For like a year and then the when i was about i would say like 15 i think i was in 10th grade the end of 10th grade i was just like i got this task digital recorder and uh i just started doing like track by track like doing every instrument which is kind of like what like the oso thing turned into but um it was a, a band called mooseport and like i just started doing that and that kind of got me back into it. I was just like, all right, now I don't have to like, no one else is really telling me what to do. Like I could just do all this stuff myself. And I don't know if my friends were, I feel like my friends were just being nice back then, but it was like kind of the first time I got like some positive reinforcement from like recording music at all. And then I just got like really sucked into it. And that was just like go time, kind of like that. And uh, so that was high school? That was high school, yeah. And then towards the end of high school, for so I would I would play these shows. I would try and get different people to play, and I met my friend Tom. Um, and at the end, me and him just kind of like, just like really hit it off in terms of playing with each other. And then the second high school ended for me. I was just like, all right, I want to like do. I can't think of anything else but doing this. So like, I hit him up and was like yo like let's do a band like let's tour and all that stuff and he was like yeah i'm down and that's how uh state lines like got started we were just like all right let's just figure out what we have to do to like record an actual record and because that was another big thing with me it was like i wanted to make like a full length i was like i really want to do like never did anything like that I really want to do a full length and that was like how that pretty much started we that's just, so like, cool yeah we just started playing a bunch of shows and then we had 
uh, some older friends, my friend Neil, who was like 22 at the time, which seemed like so old to me. I was like 17 and he was <laughs> like, yeah, this is like, you guys are cool. And I was like, oh, he thinks like we're cool. Like, this is great. And he helped us like he had a band called Shot Not. And he is like, yeah, we're going to go on tour this summer. You guys should come with us and like we'll figure it out. Oh, like, my gosh. We'll you were probably like, oh, my God. I was like, this is it. This is like the start of it. And it was like. Uh, it was like a nine day tour or something like that, like 10 or 20 Probably went days. by so quick. So quick, dude. I didn't poop the whole time. I like literally, it was crazy. Like it was just, it was just a whole new thing for me, you know? That and says that it. Like, yeah. It's like, <laughs> moving to, no, nah, man, I don't have time. I couldn't even poop. Yeah. yeah I, I got, I, like, like, I, I got to get to the next show. Exactly. <laughs> I was, I was just loving that. That was like, uh, that was the first time, like we'd played a bunch of local shows and stuff like that. So like. DIY was kind of like I was kind of starting to get an understanding of what it was stuff like that but it was mostly just like people's like people's backyards and stuff like that I had no idea what touring was like or what like how it worked or how bands like afforded it or anything like that and that tour they kind of just like showed us the ropes and showed us everything and was just like here this is how this is what happens and stuff like that and uh, and then I was like okay i'm just gonna keep on doing this what was that feeling because i remember the when i realized that oh fuck you can do it yourself like you talked about the task cam right i just want to make music i'm not going to wait for anybody like so many people wait right and yes you were deterred you know you're deterred by that heckling but you went back you made the record you found your friends you were doing it same thing with touring what about the diy thing stuck to me what was like what was so crazy was i remember the first so the first show of that tour was in Philadelphia and it was just like we played in it was a bunch of acoustic sets and uh we just played in someone's backyard and what was crazy to me was like the person who was like housing us and stuff like that it was this dude named Ruben and like uh and he didn't he didn't know us never met us before I think he talked to like uh someone in their band like Ricky like one time and it was just so nice to, and like, yeah, if you guys need anything, stuff like that. And I was just like, it was just such a, it was the opposite. Cause I feel like when you're growing up and playing local music and local scenes and stuff like that, there's always kind of this like, like people hold grudges and stuff. And everyone's like, it's very clicky. Everyone has like their own group of friends and their own bands that they like buddy up with. So there's like a bit of like, can be like some hostility to it. And then with this, it was just like, this dude never met us. I don't know if he ever even heard if, if he listened to like either of our bands. He was just down to book the show and like took care of us and like collected money from everyone and was like, here you go, here's gas money and stuff like that. And I was just like, I remember that first night, it was like, I think it was 4th of July too, and being in like in Philly and like. Had cash being, in your pocket. You know what I mean? Just like with our friends, like. We were just like, holy shit, you know? I mean, the cash, it might have been like $20. No, like, but we that's, but I'm yeah, saying, but that was. It still was something. It was like, yeah, just giving it to us just to play music. You know what I mean? And like, make sure that probably clicked internally. Like, yeah, I was like, whoa, this is like (laughs) so sick. And what's funny about that was like, it went the second show on that tour, and I have no idea. Like, still to this day, I have no idea how this show happened. But the next show is like in Baltimore at Auto Bar, so like a decently yeah, legit venue, venue. You know what I mean? And like. It was just like six bands on it. Uh, this band Montpellier, 
from Baltimore was on it and they were sick and they brought out like a pretty good crowd. So like we went, I was like, okay, I get it. The night before in Philly, I'm like, all right, backyard. We're playing in backyard. And then there's so, like, a damn you know, venue. And then we're like in a venue and there's a bunch of people there and everyone's like, oh, do you have CDs and stuff like that? And I was like, oh, this is so sick. But none of the shows were ever like that for probably like four years after that. But I just remember <laughs> being like, this is so cool. Like, so that show was like someone telling you like, it's going to be cool. You're going to go through some shit, but here's a little taste. <laughs> here's here's what it could be. And we were just like, oh, this is so sick. But yeah, that tour, like, that tour just was, like, so good. And it did, it flew by, like, in a second, like you said. And I was just like, oh, this isn't hard or anything like that. Like, this was great. Because, <laughs> like, you know, we had that in the other band with us. And they were, like, kind of, like, showing us everything, taking care of us. And I had, I had no idea how crazy or how hard some tours could be. You know, I soon found out yeah. after, you know, but yeah. So it felt for the next four years you were trudging? Oh, yeah. Dude, it, I mean, I was just like, I think something that was really, uh, that was another thing that was big for me too was like just seeing, meeting a lot of young people who kind of just like were making it work for them. You know what I mean? Like letting us stay at their house and stuff. And they were just in bands also and, like, figuring out how to make it work, even if their band were all, like, relatively small bands. And I was like, oh, I could kind of just do this until something, until I die or something like that happens, you know what I mean? So I was just kind of, like, tunnel vision, like, all right, I'm just going to do this and I'm just going to work jobs and, like, you know what I mean? Were your parents cool? My parents were... uh, they were like you should go to college stuff like that you know what i mean but i was like i was always working different jobs saving up to do it you know and as they got i think i mean the music i was making in high school like i don't think you'd want to listen to it it's not it wasn't very good so you were figuring it out exactly i think in their minds they were like i don't really know if there's a future in this you know what i mean and then uh but once like once, like, even a little bit of support started to come through, like, from other people and them seeing it, they're like, okay, maybe there is something and stuff. Like, like maybe there is something going on. And I remember when uh, when I told them they were, like, we were going on our first tour and stuff like that, they were pretty stoked. Like This is before just, you had a record out. Yeah. Yeah. They were pretty stoked that I was just like, okay, well, at least you're making something happen. Like, you know. You weren't just home and playing a local show and then like, no, right. we're recording still. Like, no, like, okay, we're booked to tour, we're going on tour. Exactly. They could tell you were determined. Yeah. And I mean, it was, I mean, they definitely knew I loved it because I would like, I mean, I would get home from school and then go straight to the basement and be like making songs on like that, the Tascam recorder. So they were like, okay, just keep on doing it. And I just, just did. I mean, I lived, the best thing I'll say is like, they let me live in their house for till i lived there until like last year so like you know they i was in and out a lot you know but uh but you were probably helping out you were you were for sure you were paying your dues and not not paying your dues but you know what i mean like for sure putting in your work yeah definitely like i i mean and like looking back like i don't know it would have been like i said like i didn't have to pay rent you know what i mean so like if i had to pay rent i don't know if i would have given up before and been like okay well i can't be saving up for this tour stuff like that you know um and like once like oso started and i was doing those tours it kind of got more more just like i have no idea how i would have been able to do it just because to get to get everyone to do it and i'm kind of like paying for everything it was yeah like, it was definitely a lot harder 
you know, and because uh, you had you wrote the music, you played the music, and you brought right. people out to do it. Exactly. Yeah. So it was definitely it definitely touring got like a little bit harder, kind of like figuring everything out on myself and like the merch and stuff like that. But um, yeah, they were as as time went on, they got super super supportive of it, and now my mom is like the number one Oso fan, probably. <laughs> I would say, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what you know, you said like, did it feel as you got deeper into it? I know you're still, it's still new, it's still right. early, it's had a few records, but it's 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 still For you sure. know I day think. one. Did it? Did you feel anything like the music industry or like did anything seep in where you're like, oh, I, I mean, like, like not sub- bad, like bad or good from that type. I feel like I like for I feel like for a lot of people like because you heard real stories. And I feel like there's a lot of people, like, if, like, in terms of industry, who still probably have never even, like, heard that one, who have heard the, like, Unihon or stuff like that. I feel like Unihon was kind of the first point where people were like, oh, what is this band? You know what I mean? And, like, kind of, that's, like, when people started putting eyes on us or ears on us. And, like, that was, like, to me, that was wild because I was just, like, like I'm gonna keep on doing this. I'm gonna keep on making yeah. records. I'll probably always be making records, but it might never, ever be anything other than me kind of just like this doing some kind of like cult thing, like where it's like DIY tour after DIY tour, and then Unihon came out, and uh, yeah, just I it was just weird. Just like it was like a bunch of people kind of paying attention all of a sudden, and I was like, whoa. That's crazy. I'm actually just looking up. I was trying to see if I could find if they threw that quote in. Emily did. But I have your press release from your first record. Oh, really? Yeah. Like from Brixton. That's wild. And I think I was like, where's my quote? Because I had like some like line. I forget what it was. Um, But like, I think those, you know, those things are. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, I got it. Ready? Do you remember this? Do you remember my quote? Give me two words of it. It's one thing. Nah, I don't, I'm not going to remember it's that. It's one thing <laughs> to write a catchy riff for a chorus. It's another to have every riff on an album feel like one. Hell yeah. <laughs> and I was like, put that in the press release. That's awesome. But like, that's, I mean, that's what, again, it was, and we're, I want to get into like the tunes, but I think mm-hmm. you doing it on your own, writing the parts, it's just more control and not in a bad way if you have that in you you have to do it like it had to come out right for sure you couldn't keep it in and i think the when i heard it it was just like riff on riff on riff and i felt there's like there's too many songs in you (laughs) that's what it felt like when i heard it hell yeah so um i think that was a really cool thing to 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 see that like your parents saw the determination i felt it in the music very cool. And I don't know if that was like, I don't know if you had 30 songs or 20 songs, but it seemed like you had t- too much in your head. <laughs> Definitely too much in my head. Um, for that record, for actually for all the Osa records, there's pro- like, there might be like three or four extra songs that never made its way onto there. Mm-hmm. But um, and not I even like, complete songs, just thoughts, you know, right. like riffs. And- yeah. Yeah. And. Yes, like still to this point, there's like, I feel like a lot of times, like even up until like the last album, the one that we're about to put out, like 
sometimes you'll have like a riff or something like that and it doesn't make the song you're just like all right let's leave this on the back burner and then like if you can't figure out that last part for a song or something you're like wait a minute this riff if i just move it to this key like it kind of you're done you know what i mean like yeah so there's i feel like i do that a lot of times too yeah Yeah. so you mentioned like key like did you did you take um music in school and stuff so terrible with that stuff i actually uh so i took it three years of it in school in high school and i forgot it all yeah. So even if you did do it, my my <laughs> first year in high school, <laughs> I did. Uh, I wanted to, like I played drums, right? I played. I started playing drums in like seventh grade, and um, I was like, I felt like drums was like that was like the thing that I was like naturally. I was like, this is like my instrument, and uh, it definitely is not because I'm a terrible drummer now. But <laughs> I wanted to play drums in like the high school band, and they're like, all right, well, can you read music? And I was like, no. And they're like, all right, well. So you'll take this class and it's called like instrumental instruction. And in high like, school. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. I was like ready to play drums. They're like, here's a trumpet. I was like, what? So I had to do that for a year. To learn how to read. To like, yeah, learn and how then... to read music. And I kind of just like didn't do it. You know what I mean? But they still put you, the next year they still put you in the band. And I would just pretend to play trumpet in the band. Me and this other kid, Mike Schwartz, we would just <laughs> pretend. And I remember the teacher pulled us to the side about like two months into the class and there was like this music hallway and stuff like that and he was just like <laughs> listen he's like you're not gonna keep pretending to play trumpet in my class he's like i'll f-, he's like i'll give you two options he's like you guys are gonna get a 64 because like 65 was like the passing thing he's like you're gonna get a 64 and it's gonna ruin your whole report card or you can never walk down this hallway again go to study hall and I'll give you a 95. And I was like, 95 sounds great. <laughs> Study hall sounds great. Mm-hmm. And that was like the closest I ever got to being able to read music. That was, yeah. I wish that was yeah, recorded. For me. Yeah. <laughs> like watching him just be like, all right, I'm done. Like, no. I'm he done with like, DJ'd. Exactly. He was like, yeah, you just never come down this hallway, go to study hall for the rest of the semester. It's 95. He was and I was so like, annoyed. Yeah, so annoyed, dude. <laughs> just like on my phone like you know what i mean and i mean probably to just watch somebody pretending to play what you know what i yeah. mean they think they're like pulling one over on you and you're the teacher and you can tell yeah so yeah obviously you know but it was better than me playing the wrong notes exactly that was, that was like the alternative yeah then that. you would have got a 64 exactly yeah. <laughs> even if you're trying uh i think too the the you know the history like you mentioning like your mom playing you records and stuff and and knowing the history and do you do you think about that when like you're making records or is it just what's happening new or have you like have you gone into those times where you're diving into like oh fuck what happened like your dad playing the cure like right. did you go into a crazy phase of the 80s and in finding out like about trying that to stuff? make that stuff yeah i mean um there's like those early days of like how you what connected and you know those rabbit holes you go in right where it's just like you find x band and then it's over well f- uh, i feel like a band for that for me was like when i was younger and i started recording everything myself that those songs sounded like uh this band the ergs um i don't know if you ever heard totally yeah yeah out of like jersey and like that was uh that that was like another band like with a lot of kids who listen to like pennywise circle jerks and stuff like that they all like the ergs totally my friend connor actually i remember one time i had i hadn't been playing music for a while like after that show and he was just like 
one day hits me up and was like, yo, this dude reminds me, like, uh, your voice when you sing reminds me of this dude, and it was, it was like, Mikey Erg, and I was just like, word, cool, I kind of, like, I don't think it ever did, but I was just like, I kind of see where he's coming from, yeah. like, that band got really, I got really into that, and I feel like once I started recording, all the stuff sounded like it was trying to be, like, an Erg's band, and then, obviously, like, as time went on, it all just, like, completely changed uh, a lot, um, but I feel like early, the, those are two bands that I re- like. I'll listen to like old stuff that I did when I was like a teenager, and I'll be like, "All right, this sounds like me trying to be like the Ergs." And then I have other songs where I'm like, "I'm so obviously trying to be against me right now. Like <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like the the bucket drums and stuff like that. Like early against me." Um, but yeah, now now it's kind of just like, just I'm just like kind of make whatever comes out of me and then i just spend a lot more time like if i'll if i write a song and it has like a melody or something like that i spend more time on trying to make it different than something i did before because i feel like it's hard i notice myself doing a lot of the same things doing a lot of like falling into like things that is just i fall into six eight do. when i write right yeah, and i have to like be like stop exactly. six eight get a metronome out you're not gonna write that riff because i can just sit there and do that and it's not progressing exactly yeah for me and i'm a nobody so (laughs) same (laughs) for me it'll be like i'll what i what i would do like in that situation is i'll keep writing it six eight and then once i feel like okay this is the song then try and be like okay let me switch it now switch it up you know what i mean and kind of so it's not like taking away from what you do naturally because i feel like that's also kind of important you know what i mean but definitely to like kind of progress yourself and make it so you're not writing the same thing over and over again yeah you know yeah that's cool and then that first record like we talked about a little bit earlier like the the real stories and you thinking like people it's kind of like not obviously not the same but like nirvana having never mind and then mm-hmm. all these people going back and to do I you know bleach, bleach yeah. but i'm thinking like it's interesting that a lot of people haven't done that or maybe not as much and i think it's i think over time they will because i think that that hit me like again i get shit all day and i'm not blowing your smoke because you're standing sitting here but there's very few things that like just hit you quickly and i don't know like is your mind like i feel like it was hook hook pre-chorus like you i think there's pre-choruses that you think is a chorus and then there's another riff like you talked about a riff off to the side right is that kind of your when you're putting together those songs or putting together music as oh so oh so so like so i did that band state lines and when we were doing stuff like that it would be like i'll bring the skeleton of the song and then my friend tom would kind of like write his part and we kind of just like go kind of it kind of was just like this song could be however we want it to be and then um once like everyone kind of in that band started to like just like life kind of took over and like people like school stuff like yeah so i was like all right gonna do oh so so now this is gonna i'm gonna really like really just kind of hone in and try and do that and with real stories i specifically remember being like just feeling like every second has to mean something like i can't it can't be like oh, I want to put this here because that sounds cool or something like that. And I remember... Uh, All killer, no filler. Exactly. Yeah, that was like the mindset. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so like those like the pre-choruses and stuff like that, like you said, like it was definitely like super... I was just super focused on like trying to make every song sound like 
like a single almost like with that record um and then i feel like with with unihan it was kind of kind of back into the kind of let the songs go where they feel like they should go but with real stories it was definitely like like that all killer no filler like yeah set for sure what was that like you said like the feeling of that going out with that record because previously you told those stories where you didn't have something right. what was it like to have it and then what were some of those sort of feelings like actually having something to sell but then people singing it back too right i mean that was stu- dude that was still like if if someone's singing it back at a show now it's still super like I feel like there was a show on that rec- that tour where there was like the real stories one. I feel like they were singing back track one at least. I I could see that with track one probably, but there was a there was we did play one good show that like <laughs> yeah one good show. <laughs> All these kids that see your shows like what, what do you mean? <laughs> but like uh, there was a there was um a tour. I mean I remember like so real stories came out and then like. People like even like people like you giving like attention stuff like that to me. Stereo like, gum. I was just like yeah, I was like, what the hell? Like maybe this will be really sick. You know what I mean? But the tours <laughs> were still kind of like I got no juice, Jade. So <laughs> the tours are still kind of just like you know, like still to like what I was used to. Like you know, like uh, you'd like maybe have like twenty kids there and like two that like actually like really came to see you, which was still like to me the coolest thing ever. You know. Um, I remember there was a show in Southern California uh, on the real, like, we did, like, two full U.S. tours with Real Stories being out, and it was either the first or second one where it was kind of, it was just, like, people, like, singing back track one, side A, stuff like that, and I was like, wow, this is, like, this is really sick. Um, yeah. All across the country. All across the country. No, I'm meaning like you're across the country and someone is singing that song to you. Yeah, it was wild. That's truly wild. Um, So then after that, you said, so Unihan, you self-released that initially. Right. Why was that? It was just because I was just like, so I mean. What was the first one on again? The first. uh, Soft Speak? Soft Speak. Yeah. So we did, we did uh, Real Stories with Soft Speak. And I was at the point where, I mean, at that point I was like 24. Um, I was, we were like trying to figure out like how to record it and stuff like that. And it was going to be like $5,000 or something like that to record at it. At a studio. Yeah, in a studio and stuff like that. And I just remember meeting up with Billy who recorded it and just like having a sit down with him and being like, yo, like we can't do this whole thing in a studio. Like I could spend like, 1400 i think it was 1400 i was like i have like 1400 that i could spend on this record like however we have to make it we'll make it that way um and i was like i was 24 then so i was kind of like in a point where i was like all right maybe this isn't like a thing like maybe you're gonna have to figure out something really you had some doubt yeah dude i was just like why well just in terms of like i was like i can i like if i keep on because at this point in my life i'm just saving up money and then spending it all on tour, going home, making more money, spending it all on tour. You know what I mean? So I was like, well. Even without paying rent. Without paying rent. So I was like, if I ever want to, like, leave my parents' house like this, I'm going to have to, like, figure out something else. And, like, so I remember sitting down with him, like, at a Starbucks or something and being like, yeah, like, so, like, I, like, we could, do, like, I have $1,400 that I could, like, put to making this record. However we could stretch that, like, can we do that? 
Um, I'm thinking I'm just going to self-release it, put it out for free. Because I, I also feel like, and I still kind of feel this way, you know what I mean? Fred will hear this and be like, whoa, what? But, like, I just feel like people are so sick of, like, the album rollouts. You know what I mean? And I feel like people, if you put out a song sometimes and the album's not coming out for months, people, like, have a tendency to forget about it. Especially if you're, like, a small band where they might have so much noise, song, man. you know? And um, so I remember, like, just being like, yeah, like, tell." I was telling him, too. I was like, yeah, I think... The plan is like I'm gonna do this record, put it out myself on Bandcamp, uh, and then like do one more tour, and then I'm gonna come back. Like if we come, if we do anything over like breaking even on that tour, I'm just gonna come back and make like three more records this year. And that was like the plan. I was like, I'm just gonna put out like an EP every three months, and then figure out something else to do with my life but i'll still be releasing stuff constantly and like that will keep me happy like playing music you know and um we did that and we put it out and uh like it just like got well received like the we got like uh we were booking a tour i remember at that time we were, this kid from canada was like supposed to book this tour for us and like completely just ghosted us halfway through so i was like oh shit now i gotta book this tour and like had to book like this like 57 day tour oh my god yeah in like a month or something but it was what was so cool about that was like it really kind of changed my perspective because i was kind of like thinking like oh no one really gives a shit about this music about this band but i remember just posting like yeah like about like the tour and like how we needed help and I had just, like, help from all over, like, a bunch of people, like, yeah, we'll book you here, we'll, you can play in my house here, and stuff like that, and I was like, okay, this is cool, maybe this will work out, and, um, we put out, we put out the record, and, like, got, like, good reviews, we weren't doing press with it, stuff like that, uh, yeah, I remember f- that, I remember yeah. talking about it, and, like, I was also, like, it was so weird to think it was self-release, thinking from all the, from the heat last time, right, and it just it was it was a cool like i'm just gonna put this out and it kind of that had a different organic yeah like way to get to people right it wasn't the usual rollout yeah like you talk about i think i what i did was like the night before it came out i made like some silly twitter post because i used to be just crazy on my phone i think at that time i was delivering pizza so there's just like a lot of downtime just like sitting in your car and i used to just go crazy on twitter like tweet ridiculous stuff so i made like a fake email or something and it was like uh just a screenshot of an email that was like oh so oh so we're gonna leak your record tomorrow or something <laughs> like that like some kind of joke like that and everyone got like like it got like good traction for the post that we would make back then you know um and then just put it out the next day and people seemed to be like stoked about that um and then my friends were like yo we'll put like we'll make a record to put like a make a record label to put this out on vinyl and i was like okay cool so like that's how that that was seal mountain that's how that happened um we booked like that uh the diy tour and like the like couple days some sometime in between there there was like the pitchfork review which i was like whoa what the hell like that was sick and uh, i feel like that probably got a lot of more like industry eyes kind of on us and then like once we went to do that tour because we're not the industry washed up emo is the industry (laughs) (laughs) 
even uh, though we're at a record label, but right now, major <laughs> label. I'm not the industry, guys. <laughs> it doesn't seem like I'm talking to an industry, guys, what I'm trying. Yeah, to I know, but, I know. Uh, but yeah, and then like once we did that tour, it just seemed like all of a sudden, then it was like, it was weird. It was a bunch of like, people were like, hey, like, uh, do you guys have a manager? Or do you, you know what I mean? Do you want to put out another record? Like, you know what I mean? That was like the first time uh, that any labels were really that were not kind of like somebody I knew, you know what I yeah. mean? Was like hitting us up. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe I won't release six albums this year. <laughs> like maybe, maybe I, I hold it off. Yeah. Maybe we'll keep trying to tour and do stuff like that. But that's know? cool from, from just, all right, I'm doing this. That's a hard decision because your tendency is to just go with what's been working. Right. A label world. And I find a label and they help me because they have everything. But you literally just, I'm putting this out and look yeah. what happened. Yeah, it's weird. So, Super that, weird, but that's dude, what like. you should do. Like, that's what I feel like. You in your heart knew you had to do that, right. and it worked. Yeah. And if it One didn't, of the few times in my life, anything like that, where I was like, "This is what I should do," that it worked. But I like yeah. that. But that yeah. led you to keep going. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I just I love that 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 was the motivation. Again, that's very DIY. <laughs> you were like, I have to do this. This is why. Yeah. And whatever happens, happens. Remember, you gave both scenarios. Yeah. If we don't come back, even cool. I'm going to put out some music and figure this shit out. And Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe your shit would have just been that and we would have never spoken. Or That would have been an interesting future. You know what I mean? <laughs> do you think about that? I do sometimes because I remember being like, it was just like, like making music for me is so, it's truly like it's the funnest thing in the world. You know what I mean? And I wonder, I just wonder what those songs would have sounded like, you know what I mean? Because I do feel like, like, obviously you want to, like, you want to make stuff that's just natural. You don't want to think about anything else. But I would be totally lying if I said, like, once I came back from that tour and then knowing that there was, like, like labels interested in the band and stuff like that, it t I had to, like, sit down and, like, there's a bunch of songs that I wrote when I came back that I looked at a month later and I was like, nah, this is not what you want to do. You know what I mean? Because I was just like thinking like from a different standpoint, I it went from like, I'm going to make what I want. It's going to sound how I want. And then a couple of people were like, Hey, like, would you want, you want to sign to our label and put out a record? And then I went home and wrote songs and was like, is this what this label would want? Is this what that label would You know what I mean? And then it took, like, I had to really, like, sit down and listen to those songs and be like, no, start start over again. Like, you know what I mean? Kinda yeah, start fresh. That, yeah. That, like, balance. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Yeah. I feel like you actually introduced me, me to, to Fred. Fred that night. Which is crazy. I will leave this in here, but... I again, I don't have a label. I love doing this. Like, I think it's... I think it's amazing that like a thing like that pitchfork thing, like Ian supporting mm -hmm. stuff or me being able to say this fucking thing's awesome assholes. Yeah. Listen to it and people respond to it. Right. And that's what needs to happen. It can't just be the same album cycle, the same push and those right. different avenues I think are important. And you doing that album by yourself was part of that. For sure. I think, I mean, I even think now I had a lot of respect for you from that. Thank you. Where I was like, oh, like, you're just going to do it. Yeah, I, mean, for, I feel like for me, that was probably, 
I'm so glad everything happened the way it did because like I feel like I got so many years of touring experience where it's like I kind of had to really like pull it together myself and now it's like any tour any situation I could be on any tour that we've been in in the last couple of years there's never going to be anything where I'm like it's like none of this seems that bad you know what I mean because I'm like oh we've been broken down in Indiana and actually been like how the f are we gonna get home you know what I mean yeah so like that I'm super stoked about I'm super grateful that everything worked out one that everything worked out the way it did with Unihon but I'm really glad that we put it out the way that we did just so now I know like you know what I mean like let's say five years six years something happens there is no label or something you know how to do it you know what I mean yeah I could do it and feel good about it you know people do that all the time I mean there's artists that just put out their own stuff they have their tour they have their way they do it and they have a career right you're building your career right and that piece was a huge like learning thing that I think again I think it was inside you to do right yeah I definitely it was definitely inside me I just didn't think it would work out as well as it did <laughs> you know that's great but that's another lesson too like you can't know if you right. knew yeah. it would have been different absolutely that's true like I, I dream about back to the future and Biff's sports book you know I dream that I wish I could know who wins in the future but that's not right, right. like it's not that's not how it's supposed to you're supposed to lose a little money, right. like not knowing who's going to win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? Have you seen that movie? Back to the Future? Please tell me you haven't because I'm going to make you watch it. Oh, I've seen the first one. The one where he goes to the future. Right. Yeah. Right? Isn't no, the first no, one? That's Fuck. The, the first one he goes back. Back. The second one he that's goes That's the, the first f- one's where he goes back and then almost dates his mom, yes, I yes. think, right? And then I'm the second yeah. one he goes the to the future. second one he goes to the future, yeah. With the Cubs, right? Yeah. The Cubs World Series. Yeah. 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 You haven't seen that? Dude, I've seen him, but it's like so fuzzy. It's like years ago. Like, how young were you when your parents made you watch it? My parents didn't actually make me watch it. My cousin made me watch it. I remember watching. He wanted to watch. There was three, I think. Right? He wanted to watch yeah. all three. I think I fell asleep like halfway through the second one. See, like that's that. bad, cousin. You gotta, you gotta space this out. <laughs> exactly. You gotta give the respect to each of them. Exactly. My <laughs> uncle did that with Star Wars. He spaced him. He spaced him out for you, yeah. and you like so. I love Star Wars. See, uncle's smarter than your I cousin. Think they're awful movies, but I love them. You know, you ever, they're ridiculous. Like, yeah, it's like if you meet a friend now and you're like, "Do you ever see Star Wars?" And they're like, "No." It's like I'm not even gonna waste your time because you're just gonna think that I'm ridiculous for like how much I appreciate this. I was more Indiana Jones. Jones. Indiana Jones, never seen Indiana Jones. Fuck, never. Seen well, I don't know what you're doing later, but you, I'll cancel Check. the emo night. We're gonna go back and <laughs> well, watch some Indiana Jones. Yeah, as long as we can start with the Shia LaBeouf one. Wow. There's like a remake. So right? starting with an F. Yeah. Is, is that one terrible? <laughs> I would expect it to be terrible. Yeah. I really would. Uh, the other thing, too, I love that I wanted to get into, and then I want to talk about the new record, mm-hmm. is uh, Love of Sports. Yeah. So you're a huge basketball head? A huge basketball head, uh, fair weather, everything else. But I, when I was little, I was just like super, I was super into baseball when I was little. and then Which team? Yankees, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. You actually, we're done the podcast. Thanks for coming, Jade. Um, anyway, I'm kidding. I actually went to. I went. I'm a Mets fan. Uh, with my friend Tom from State Lines, went to a Yankee game Monday night with him, and we were sitting there, and he goes, "Dude, every other team's fans seem like so much fun." 
is like the Yankees just seem like the worst organization and worst ever. He's like, do you think you'd be a Yankee fan if it wasn't for like just growing up and your family liking them and then being good when they were like when you were young? And I was like, no, probably not, dude. So you've been to a Mets game, yeah, at City Field. The difference, I feel like. If you've got a pretzel with mustard on it at Yankee Stadium okay. and you accidentally drop it, it's as if you dropped it at a museum and you're in trouble. Yeah. City Field or Shea, you drop it, I'll go get another one. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, it's just more of a... Definitely a way different vibe. I liked Shea Stadium so much. Oh, I like I, I like both of the old stadiums so much. Yankee Stadium was, like, super narrow felt like if you tripped if you, you were, were up high you would the fall field. all the way on the field exactly yes i loved that um i was there for the 04 series against the red sox really game two where they the red sox lost of course and then won four in a row but i we were up at the top deck and i was with red sox friend worked for the red sox so we bought tickets face and a guy in front of us had a 1918 hat when that was still the thing you could say to yeah. the Red Sox fans. And as a Met fan, you root for the Red Sox because every day the Yankees lose is fine. Right. The guy literally didn't watch the game and just stared at us and chanted 1918. Dude, Yankees like Yankee <laughs> Stadium back then was like a scary place to they be. They spit dude. on kids with Red Sox hats. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking dicey. Crazy. You know who else? You know who else was like that? Ranger fans, dude. I remember being young and going to the Coliseum. I was oh like, for for Islander for games. Islander games, dude. You would go to the Coliseum, <laughs> and like I watched a dude in an Islanders jersey get like beat up for wearing an Islanders jersey in the Islanders arena. I was <laughs> he must like, have said some shit. Yeah, probably. He probably did say. He probably did say. <laughs> I think what he did. I think he was. They had a. There was like. The song, I don't want to be a devil, I don't want to be a duck, the rangers suck, the rangers suck. And I think he like turned around Mm-mm. and sung it right at like right at their face. You're going to get you know that. I mean? Yeah. He is probably very deserving of that. Beat down. But I just remember being like, what the hell? Like, this is their arena and this dude's going to be like, that's crazy. Love really that. insane, yeah. Shit's crazy. Yeah. Now it's more, it's so subdued. Yeah. I know we're we're talking like we're old, but like it, it just those really, stadiums had like a different. Definitely, even I feel like Shea, like Shea was like not never like a hostile environment like that. No, everybody was Shea just was like, was oh wow, you showed up. Yeah, it was definitely more of an experience. That I've only been to City Field one time, and I I went to go see Third Eye Blind was like playing after. So oh like, yeah, oh, go to this game. Uh, but it was definitely way different than like just a different vibe. Shea was yeah, yeah no. Yeah, I love the seats. You would bang them. Yeah. Um, when like it was a good part or like good section or when the ball would bang off the it because no one too. the apple. Oh yeah. Home run. That was great. So nice. Now it's the parking lot. <laughs> uh, I still I still call it Shay. I can't not like when I'm going with a friend. I'm like I'll see it Shay and he's like I'll see it City Field. I'm like I know but it's. Do you remember when that the venue Shea Stadium that yeah. popped up? I was always so confused. I was so confused when I they announced like, it because yeah. I was like, "What? You're like, what? <laughs> Who's playing at Shea Stadium? What? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, the So-So Glows are playing at Shea Stadium? How does this that is work? Insane. <laughs> uh, but back to basketball. I think that's my that's my like that is yeah. that's it. I can watch that's any game. Exactly. I'm up at ten thirty watching the late yep. Nuggets Portland game. I love, I'll be like watching a basketball game. My girlfriend would be like, who are you rooting for? I'd be like, nobody. <laughs> I'm just yeah. watching. Like, 
It's like <laughs> I literally just love watching basketball. I love it because like baseball and obviously like baseball to me is eating. Okay, because I can eat and you don't miss anything and you're convert. Like we could Gosh, have this conversation at the baseball game. Oh, for sure, exactly. Yes, I was I was trying to figure out what you meant by eating, but yeah, baseball. It's like. Oh, like some analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm eating, you know? No, no. Um, I'm sleeping. <laughs> Do you see Kawhi sleeping at the Toronto game? Yeah. That was pretty good. Insane. <laughs> to, like, and it's like, like I know, like, I can't, I can't stand in there. I can't hit, like, a 99-mile-per-hour yeah. fastball. But just watching it, you think, you know what I mean? You get, or like football or something like that, you're like, oh, I could do that with my friends. And yeah. And be like sent along similar lines. Basketball, I watch it. I'm like, I could never, ever do that. I could never jump that high. Totally. I could never like shoot that with someone in my face. 35 foot shot with like a hand in my face four times out of 10. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that to me is just insane. And it's just always been super fun to watch. That's yeah. cool. Who who got you into basketball? Um, I used to just flip through the channels, and I actually just got so I would watch like. So you Knicks fan? Yeah, yeah. I would watch. I'm sorry. Like, MSG. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, see this off season. We'll see. Every this every this is me every summer, dude. I remember two years ago, I spent the entire summer updating my phone, wondering if if uh, not Kawhi, if Kyrie was going to get traded to the Knicks. I actually thought that was going to happen, without considering the fact that like. Who did they have that they would want to trade for? You know, my but. favorite. Uh, my favorites are Knicks fans in November and uh, draft night. Dude. There's those are my favorite times as as watching Knicks fans. I remember. <laughs> you guys get so excited. Two. So this was probably two years ago. Yeah, two years ago that I was. I used to go to like a decent amount of Knicks games. I what I would do is I'd just take the train. You ever go on the at game time? I would yes. get out of work. Go take like tip money, hang out up front, hang out up front, wait for the first quarter to start, and then like five minutes left in the first quarter, grab the cheapest ticket, and then just walk in. Yep. Um, and so that was the that was the first year, like that was the year they traded Carmelo to OKC, and we started out pretty good that year. Like, I think we were like nineteen and twelve or something. Yeah, like yeah. That at some point. And yeah, you like, guys were going dude, nuts. The, uh, yeah. Just. Literally never been so embarrassed to be on the same side of an opinion as someone in my entire life. I was just like, oh god, this is not happening. Like this is gonna, like the bottom is gonna fall yeah. out soon. Stop. November Knicks. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this, that, we got it. Who? It was like. Wait, that was after the trade. So after um, after the mellow trade. Yeah. Yeah. This was like. So we had, like, Chris Stops, like, Tim Hardaway was our, like, second scoring option. Like, I remember going to the game where we beat Toronto. Tim Hardaway scored, like, 31 points. They went on, like, a 19-0 run in the third quarter. And, like, everybody in that arena legitimately thought that we were going to the playoffs. And I was just like, dude, it is, it's Thanksgiving tomorrow. <laughs> like, we're absolutely not going to And we're not playing on Thanksgiving. <laughs> or whatever, right? Like, Oh, no, no, football does. No, no, they, they Thanksgiving games? No, like football. Football does, yeah, right. Yeah, football does. Yeah, basketball, Christmas. Christmas is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Christmas is the best. Yeah, that's that day is crazy. Yeah. Like, I love when it's like I'm done and I'm like, I'm going to do this for until 1 o'clock in the morning. So I don't know what you're doing, but <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I just think too the that like having something else, you know, like I 
basketball is great because I don't need to think about music and work and right. I don't know. I just I love the the flip of it yeah. where I'm not in it. I don't have to like worry about the biz when I'm watching it. Yeah, I wish I felt that way. But when I watch the Knicks, I feel like I'm in it. I'm like, oh my god, this suffering. Yeah, it's been on for too long. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I think uh, I think it would be fun. I know we talked about this, but like, I think music people, you know, and like sports and stuff. But being able to like, I bet there's more people that are in it like us that are up right. at 10 30 at night watching the random you know portland game <laughs> yeah i mean i would love to i would love to find that i feel like every tour though i always find like one or two people that like, are in uh, yeah you know yeah. stupid are super into too that i connected with early on dallas from city and color and alexis on fire oh, really hugest raptors fan Wow. And I remember I was in LA and the Celtics were in the playoffs. I went to the finals and I went to one of the games I lived out there. And I remember when like he was so in it, like I would see him courtside and if I watch a Raptor game, like he would That's be like, sick. and he'd be, you know, super fan. And I remember him tweeting a bunch this year, but so cool. Like I don't, maybe I maybe mentioned a couple times that I was like a fan, but after the Celtics won, he like texted and was like, dude congrats like so cool i just think like there's that it's not just like music like there's other stuff to like chat about i feel like i'm and i do i feel like sometimes like a lot of people they grow up with sports and stuff like that and they they get into music and it's not the coolest thing because you get to high school and the people who are playing sports exactly bros and stuff like that you know what i mean but like that too i don't never really like never stop me from enjoying watching you know what i mean never like stop me from enjoying watching like these sports and yeah stuff like that you know i always thought the players would like those were the guys that would have stuffed me in a locker yeah <laughs> but i'm like I'm, I'm fine with that like yes you would have stuffed. i feel that way especially about baseball baseball players, for dude. sure every time i watch baseball i'm like this dude's definitely an asshole mike trout Looks nice. I'm sure he stuffed a kid in a locker. Yeah, exactly. Either or, or if you're like as good as Mike Trout, you're like one of the dudes who you, his friend would have stuffed you in the locker because they don't. Want yeah, to get Mike. he wouldn't have hurt him. Yeah, he wouldn't hurt his hand. Get Mike in trouble. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they would have covered for Mike. You're like Mike has a future, and hopefully my future is Jade, being Mike's friend. Yeah, once you, know you get I mean? in the locker, you get in the locker. Yeah, <laughs> we were actually we were talking about this the other day. I was like in high school, I was like, I used to be really like super animated and super like, I was like the class clown in middle school and then got to high school and just went like radio silent. Apparently my brother, his friends thought I was like, they were one day, my brother had like a party at his house and these kids walked by and they're like, who that, why is that weird kid here? Like my mom heard them say that. She was telling me this story the other day and they were like, that's, that's Ian's brother. Like, oh, I thought that kid was like a school shooter like they were like they wow was weird dude from middle school and or from high school because you were so quiet yeah wow like really quiet how come yeah i don't know i think i just thought like in middle i feel like just i got hit with a wave of self-awareness in high school no just shit like oh, i'm not cool <laughs> fuck i'm not cool the music i listen to isn't cool to these kids and like yeah like, did you get a superlative in high school i did no i did not get any superlative i was up for uh i was up for something like i was up for something with music it wasn't like just flat out called best musician or whatever because like towards the end of high school that's when i started like playing shows and playing yeah yeah like 
some people wrote me in for that, and then you, you would like it'd be like four people, and they'd vote on it. But um, <laughs> actually, have you ever heard of Have you ever heard of this artist Zuli? No. He's like he's on like Spotify and stuff like that. But uh, this kid Ryan Camazuli, very good musician. Uh, he won. he won. Yeah, yeah. Deservedly so. Deservedly so. Really good musician. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I got class environmentalist. That's that's a nice claim to have, dude. Here's why. I my mom let me have like soda every day. Okay. And she would put it in tin foil so it would stay cold. So I would take all the tin foil and keep it and make a ball. <laughs> and so the ball through the years and year, like four years of doing it. It wasn't a new ball every year. No, I made like the same. So it was a, it was like a basketball size. That's amazing. So, but the popular kids thought I was like recycling. Trying to save the environment. But I was it. just like, I just want to make a ball. I want to see how big it yeah, gets. And I like, you know, technically you, you, you were recycling. True, but I think <laughs> I was literally just thinking, how can I stuff this much tinfoil in the top of my locker? Right. Um. And yeah, and I threw it out at the end of the like the senior year. I just threw it out or whatever. But it just that was so funny. Got your award, and then once you had the award, you were like, "All right, now." There was I. There's a photo of me like you know this is before cell phones. Um, hey everybody, I'm older. Um, <laughs> it, there's a photo of me going like this after they announced the winner. There's like a photo of me like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, in case you can't see, Tom is making the most confused <laughs> face of all time right now after he won the award. They literally were like, and it was just funny because it was the popular kids being like, here's your award. I'm like, I would have appreciated like, I don't know. like but Yeah, I was going to say, what would you have gotten? I don't know, like sickest, like uh, easiest way to, or I could play the pig squeal the easiest on a guitar. Like, I don't know, something <laughs> dumb. I forget something what else. Cool like yeah. But I can't. I don't even remember what the other ones were, like what the other superlatives were. Class clown, right? Probably There's or probably like probably like a class clown or um, class flirt. Class well, flirt. I feel like they didn't have that. Oh so wow. We maybe it was pre. Uh, it's like yeah, pre before. That like, was like the internet in the wild <laughs> days back then. You guys were wild back. We then. were so wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. I think there's like best smile, best eyes, yes. stuff like that. You know, things like that. Yeah, flirt like oh, couple. Uh, they did have couple. Like like they class couple. Yes, they did or have class couple. Uh, most likely to succeed, right? Most likely, yes. Oh, now that you say that, there's a bunch jock of, class jock. There's like a most likely to do that. Like most likely. To yes, be in, I like, think I wanted NFL, that. Most likely to be like yeah. That's what I TV wanted. Or something like that, a newscaster, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Because I had a pirate radio station yeah. growing up, and so I felt like I wanted to be like the, the broadcaster, the person on TV. Yeah. Like, that's what I wanted, but didn't happen. All right, no more high school stories, because I did bad things, and no one knows about it. Um, <laughs> so, basking in the glow. Yeah. Um, what I thought about this record when I was listening to it, people will, whatever, the so certain songs are out. Um your your voice is the lead guitar alongside the guitar almost like a harmony but playing off each other and right. then it's like the riffs are the bass too like i feel like it's like building but your voice is this cuz i think in the mix you're at the top the voice yeah is this other line of a guitar line 
I probably didn't explain that, but like I feel it. Like, it was okay. so connected, but your the the voice was like this other melody. I definitely can. I definitely understand what you're saying in an extent because I feel like a lot of people that have heard it have been like, "Oh wow, your vocals are a lot louder in this record," you know. But not just oh. louder. It's like it connects, like, and it's like another thing to listen. I, lyrics are last for me. Okay. I I know the guitar riff. I can play the bass. Like those are the things I remember in songs. Right. Your stuff, I actually remember the lyrics or remember the 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 vocal line. Right. So I think that's like I don't know if I'm very hard against lyrics and like singing. Like I will just be like, ah, whatever. You'll like zone it out kind of and just yeah. focus on the riffs. Yeah. I feel like that. I feel like this album it's harder to do that with because i feel like and especially i know with um with lead guitar and stuff like that on this album there was a, a lot of parts where i'd start playing something and like uh mike who recorded it would be like oh like it doesn't have to be like that busy for this part like kind of let it no it sit felt it back sit. and then here it'll get busier you know what i mean and i feel like that was something that was very conscious in in a in the recording. So when the, did you feel your voice was this other, not lead guitar as in a solo, but just another melody in addition to the riff or like the, 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 the guitar chords? I mean, not consciously, but I feel like a way that that could have, it could have came out like that could be like, I feel like a lot of the vocals and melodies were written after the music. Really? Like for, yeah. For a lot of times, like, so, like a vocal or a melody or something like that will come with me towards the music and for this album it was like a lot of for a lot of the songs i had the chorus first you know what i mean i had like it's like okay here's the chorus and then i'll figure out the verse melody later you know what i mean so it could be because of that yeah that's really cool but again the same thing we talked about earlier about that riff at the end i mean i forget if it's basking the glow or the view, but there's like the pre-chorus, the chorus, a break, and then another riff that doesn't even seem connected, yeah. but it is. Yeah. That was with, um, I'm trying to just think specifically of songs that have that. I know like, like Dig. It's uh, Dig that's got the break. Dig is the one with the break. Yeah. And that was like going to be two completely different songs. And I was like, all right, you like, like I was talking about before, like, I was like, all right, just shift this to this key. And then it'll be fine and we could do that yeah you know what i mean and that's how that kind of came together i know people who if someone's listening to this right now and it's not out there's a whole because we put out dig as the single and it's like it says dig two and it doesn't have that break it just has the uh right cuts off before like the outro part yeah and then clean guitars yeah yeah what was the what the thought process behind that um or that's a stupid way to say it what was it conscious to do clean guitars? Were you thinking it about was, that? It definitely was conscious. I feel like it was just kind even of in writing more, the songs. Um. Yes and no. In writing the songs, it was kind of just like not. It, I don't want to say it's conscious in writing the songs, but it was conscious in knowing going into recording that like okay, I want these guitars to come out cleaner yeah. than before. And I feel like even, I feel like from real stories to Unihon to this album, the guitars kind of get cleaner and cleaner. You know what I mean? And like next album is just going to be just 
harp. <laughs> the most reverbed, like yeah, exactly. echoed guitar. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I mean, maybe next time we'll like go back to something heavier or something like that. But there's just something. What did you like, like about it that felt freeing? What, like, you obviously felt like, wow, I can write a bunch of stuff this way. Right. What was it about not having that distortion or having the clean guitar feel? just kind of something about like the vibe of the album like the message like i don't want to say the message of the album because i feel like then it gets like misconstrued or but like kind of like the vibe of the album and like what just what i wanted it to feel like when people were listening to it it just felt like more leaning towards like clean guitars you know the whole like the glow and stuff like that like i kind of just wanted it to be kind of like it felt subdued but not right slow or not sad it right. just, I don't know, it felt like it's got this, it, you could listen to it, it's its its in a pocket. You know when right. you're in the pocket? For like, sure. that's what it felt like. Yeah, that was definitely intentional on that. And I just feel like uh, if you kind of, if, like, earlier in, in stuff I've recorded, I feel like the, um, it's kind of been like one tone throughout stuff, you know? And now with, like, this being lighter, I feel like, for future stuff I write or anything like that, when it's heavier, you kind of can tell it's heavier for a reason or it'll, it'll mean it more. You know what I mean? Like there's a like, one song, I forget which one, that there's like a heavier, like a distorted guitar at the end and yeah. you noticed it. There's exactly. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, it could have been... Wake Up Next to God? No, it, no, no. It could have been... Is it pri- If it's the bridge, priority change, The uh, in the bridge, the guitars come in like, and they're like super... Not super, super heavy, but compared to everything else, it's yeah. like they're super heavy. And like, I feel like that was like a great thing is like the guitars can be clean, and then when we mean it, it'll be heavier. Like, it'll kind of skip. Instead of being guitars. already loud and trying to be louder. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? um, what other stuff do you want people to know about the record? Um, so I tried hard. <laughs> I tried. I like that. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I, you, the more people that get into the band, with like with more people getting into the band, there will always be more people who are disappointed by something being not making them feel how the last record made them feel or something like that. And that's totally chill. I feel that way about so many bands that I like and so many records I like and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I just feel like uh, I'm trying. <laughs> and uh i i mean like obviously it's 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 my life so i'm more like focused on it like it does feel more of like a journey you know what i mean where you're still trying to grab at like the perfect representation of what you want to make or perfect like snapshot you know what i mean and i still feel like um i'm not there yet like you know what i mean but this record definitely feels like a good step towards it you know uh yeah it's awesome. Um, last thing, what what do you like? What do what are you thinking about next? Maybe not even music. Like, what's what are you thinking about? What are like, uh, where where's your head at? That kind of stuff. It's very music oriented right now. I will say, uh, I'm or a dream. You know, a dream a that dream, that's like like me like not even music. Like it could be anything. Like anything. I mean, I wanna I wanna get a dog sometime in the next couple of years it's like a lifelong dream of mine uh what would that I, what would that mean 
it, no, I know. It, I mean, like, what would that like? It's just like the companionship. Like you had one growing up and stuff. I'd never had one growing up. Never had a dog my whole life. I've always wanted a dog. Really like to like. Another thing is that 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 Bowery show that we're playing. That was always a dream of mine. I saw when it was like 2011, maybe 2012. I saw Arches of Loaf at Bowery, and I was like, I want to play here. This is like this would be like the the coolest shit ever, you know. So that Bowery show, I've thought a lot about that and getting a dog. Really want to get a dog sometime in the next couple of years. So the dream is happening for the Bowery. Yeah. And the dream will happen. Get you're gonna have a. I love that. Yeah, dog. <laughs> dog. <laughs> nice. Anything else you want to mention? Um, we didn't even talk about emo, but I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'll come back next time. We'll talk about emo. Yeah. Cool. Uh, See a Knicks championship. <laughs> Truthfully, <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, that that's a lifelong dream right there. <laughs> Hopefully, sometime in the next ten years. I don't know how much time I have left. Jade, so. stop. <laughs> <laughs> RJ, RJ Barrett, let's get it done, baby. I know he was great at the draft. For oh, you, like yeah. said the right things. Yeah, dude. So we had an off day in Indiana one time, and I got to go to a Pacers game for like. It was like two. The tickets were like two dollars, and I was like, "Wait, if this ticket is two dollars, let me see like what I can." Yeah, you, the New Yorker like, comes in, and you're like, "This really is in the bathroom, exactly." So I was like, <laughs> I got like sixth row for like it was like fifty dollars. I was just like, "Sure." And uh, the best part of that game was watching everybody in the front. They were playing the Hornets, and Dwight Howard was on the Hornets at the Being time. Being a little bitch, watching. Everybody talked shit to Dwight Howard. That was so fun, dude. It was so good. I was like, this is better than the game. Yeah, the trash talk. Because there's no, like, hockey's got the glass. Right, Baseball, yeah. there's now the fence. You're going to get fucking clocked by a ball. Yeah, I noticed they have it on the side. They yeah, you have to because like, kids are getting right, fucking yeah. plunked. But basketball, right there. <laughs> Like you can, just like right up. <laughs> yeah. I was just Other than that, in my head, I was thinking they instead of the, the net, they just give everybody helmets. The baseball game, everyone's just sitting there with protective <laughs> helmets on. Well, they're not watching the game; they're on their phones. You're right. Yeah. Uh, like I love watching the baseball games, like Dodger games, or like you just see any game, not just Dodgers for LA, but like everybody's like on like <laughs> during a play, and then if a ball like comes right back, they'll be like, oh. Back to, back to Instagram. Yeah, it's bad. Sweet man. Anything else you want to mention? We're good. That's it. Thank you for doing this, dude. Absolutely. Washed Up Emo fans, thank you for listening to this podcast over the last nine plus years, or if it's your first time, welcome. It has flown by, and I appreciate each and every one of you for listening, and for this current episode you're about to hear. I do have a favor of you. I have some books out right now called Anthology of Emo, and Volume 2 was released last fall. I really think you'll dig it if you haven't heard of them. It features guests from the podcast, including Jim Atkins from Jimmy World, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, Travis Shettle from Piebald, and John Bunch from Sensefield. I've also reprinted volume one so you can order both check out the diy publishing at anthologyofemo.com